Well, it's great to be here. I'm so excited to be the first guy to be speaking, my wife today rather, man and woman, um, speaking to a real live audience. Um, so I hope it will be a, you, you'll, and I want you to enjoy it today as well as being in, in form. That'd be good, wouldn't it? I'll never forget the first time I encountered it. It was quite shocking. Uh, it was surprising and very, very confusing. Um, I went with a, a group of church leaders over to, um, I call it, used to call it Holland, but it's the Netherlands, and we went over on, on the ferry um, to Harwich, and we, we, we planned a visit to all these different churches on our push bikes with our panniers. And uh, we were very competitive guys, so was, the speed was quite, you know, it's nearly 20 miles an hour for 50 miles, so we were really hammering it. Then we're going along these wonderful cycle routes in, um, in the Netherlands, and uh, then all of a sudden it happened. This lady, she must have been in the late 70s with a wickerwork basket and flowers on the top. She just zoomed by us <laughs> and I had to attack. I thought, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'll get her. That's the phrase, I'm going to get her. So I, I flew off the front of the bunch and I, I, I kept up with her for about, it was about 20 yards and I just, she, she was hammering along and I was depressed. <laughs> so anyway, we got to this place, uh, um, the, the minister's house and... Uh, during the meal, I said, something strange happened today. You've got to remember this was eight, eight or nine years ago. I said, this elderly lady, and now I know that you produce world champion cyclists in, in the Netherlands, um, but she flew by us. And she said, oh, but she's got an electric bike. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that was the first time I ever experienced an electric bike. See, she had a power that I didn't have. You got it? Remember that one? She had a power that I, I never had. And, you know, what a difference power makes. You know, today we're going to be focusing on how we can extend the kingdom of God. And it's all about, as Bonnie said earlier, that is a rule of authority, is love, compassion, justice, kindness, grace, peace, uh, forgiveness. And most of all, it's about sharing that gospel message because without all these things, without the gospel message, it ultimately won't transform people's life from a Christless to eternity to an eternity with God. You see, the person who demonstrated best how to extend the kingdom of God wasn't the person extending, sitting next to you, as it's Jesus. The king demonstrated how to do the kingdom. You got that? So if we want to learn, let's look at Jesus. So I'm not going to turn to the Bible passage, but it's in John chapter 4, where Jesus is, um, they've had a, the guys have had a long day, you know, the 12 disciples, they've fought, they've, they're going through a place called Samaria, which wasn't um, somewhere Jews would normally go, they're trying to avoid this area, but he went, they went there, and uh, it was t it's hot, if you've been to Israel, it's very, very hot, and he sat down by a well, and the, the brothers, they hadn't eaten. And so they went off, it says, they went, the disciples went off into a village to find something to eat. Okay, can you just imagine that we're on a mission from God to go and get some salted beef bagels or something like that. And um, Jesus was left there all on his bony over and sitting there by the well. And this woman comes up from the village and she, he asked her for, to get some water out of the well. And uh, she was quite surprised he did that. Um, asked him, her that, and uh, so she got the, got the water out of the well. And then what happened? Jesus 
he was in that moment with the presence of the Spirit. And he started sharing, asking her questions. So he's talking to the Father and talking to her at the same time. And before you know it, what's come out of the conversation, she's had five husbands, and the one she's with now is not her own. And she felt undone, but not condemned. Convicted, but not condemned. And, it, and, and so she, what happens, I'll cut a long story short, she runs back to her village, and she says, this man, come and see this man. He's, this man's different. This man's different. He's told me everything I know. You know. And I guess she said, I still feel accepted. And so, so the disciples, by which time, came back with the food. And they said, Jesus, we brought you some food. And he said, well, I've got food you know nothing about. And imagine Peter saying, well, hold on a minute. We've been all this way away to get you food, and you've already got some. That was a bit naughty, wasn't it, Jesus? And he said, no, um, I've got food you know nothing about. And that, that really grabbed me this week, thinking about that. And he said, look, look over there. The fields are white to harvest. And he saw, they, they must have rubbed their eyes and said, what, what's Jesus been up to now? Because a whole village is coming out to meet Jesus just because one person was given time, <laughs> was loved, and the, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit are at work in Jesus to reach broken people. <laughs> what they must have felt like, those disciples, you're thinking, well, we've been down there, you, and you've been doing this. Come on, Jesus, give us a break. We want to rest. But he said, no, I've got food. I, I delight to do my Father's will. And I, out of the two, I will be with the disciples. I have to admit, I will be with the disciples because I've been thinking, I've done enough for today, right? I've done it. Now I need some off-duty time with some food. I like food, okay? I, lo I love food. And it was a, a, a lesson for these disciples that Jesus is saying, look, I, I have got, an, I have got a, an intentionality about this that you haven't got yet, but you will get it because I've got to be about my father's business. That's what he said as a, as a young lad, and he was still doing it and modeling it. And church family, we're followers of him. And we have this wonderful invitation to be like him in all things. Yet even us, with our inconsistencies, he said, you can have the food that I feed from. That is to do the will of God and to reach out to everyone that the Father brings across my path. Now, some, some Christians genuinely believe that these gifts, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and bringing gifts of the Holy Spirit um, was for the time of the apostles. When the 12 apostles died out, the gifts dried up, no longer necessary. Some believe that the, when the Bible was formulated, particularly the New Testament, that then the, that took over the, the necessity, necessity for the gift of the Spirit. I don't believe that's correct. And I know many of you don't. You see, people who believe that, Christians, but they, will, they believe that the gifts ceased. I believe the gifts continued. But if we believe the gifts continue and we don't practice it, we're practical cessationists. Yeah? I, I don't want to be a practical cessationist. I want to be one that continues in the 
to minister in the gifts of the Spirit, not just in the church, but especially in the world, because I believe the gifts of the Spirit are not just for the church meeting. It's not just for the church family. It's for the world, because Jesus functioned with the gifts of the Spirit. He modeled that out there in the marketplace of life. You got that? And it's, it's, that's the food, that's the food that Jesus fed from. I've got food you know nothing about. So there's loads of lessons to learn here if you want to learn how to be available to the Holy Spirit and extend the kingdom. Number one, what we can learn from Jesus, personal tiredness and discomfort does not mean the Holy Spirit cannot use you as a channel of his presence and power. You have to break through on that. We really do have to, because we live tired. The older you get, the more tired you get, but you've got to really understand this. It doesn't rule you out, but can rule you in, because his strength is made perfect in weakness. Secondly, by listening to the Spirit, at the same time, when in conversation with other people, he was able to ask her questions that opened up her heart to spiritual needs. So we have to develop that two-way conversation with God while we're talking with people. It is possible because the Spirit lives within us. That is, it is possible. And so that makes any day a day of possibilities. Whether you shop at Tesco, Sainsbury's or Lidl, wherever you shop, whatever you do, there's a, it, it's, it's laden with possibilities because we can bring in the presence of God. And thirdly, he used the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit in love and compassion and not in judgment or rejection of her situation. That, 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 that is a key. Because Jesus came to save, not to condemn. He didn't come to slap a text on people's heads. He came to express the Father's love and bring the presence in to situations that demanded it. Wendy Mann, who I, Wendy will be coming hopefully to speak to Gateway live in, in a few weeks' time, she wrote that this in an excellent book called Supernaturally Natural. Living the supernaturally Christian, supernaturally Christian life is not about going through the emotions or ticking an evangelism box. Neither is it to have a good story to share or see, seeing a miracle happen. The normal Christian life is primarily about demonstrating to people we meet how loved and how valued they are. I think that's beautiful. And how kind and compassionate God is. It's having that heart, because God's touched our hearts with his grace and compassion, we can extend that to other people. I believe we can do this, church. I really do believe, because we know the Saviour, and we do know the Spirit. It's learning to know when we're in a situation that we, we get excited. I've got, I've got a snack here, I've got food. And we invite the Holy Spirit into this moment with a person or persons standing or sitting in front of us. Sam Storms, in, a, in his excellent book called Understanding the Spiritual Gifts, he helpfully writes this. I have to pronounce this correctly. We should speak about such gifts as presence rather than his presence. Yeah, without, with the T. So when we, when we bring in the gifts of the Spirit through love and grace, the, the presence of God is made manifest. All of a sudden, the atmosphere is present. You know, just before th thunder 
comes, you, you know, don't you? The atmosphere is pregnant. Something's about to happen. And each of us can bring in the presence of God because God would have it that all would be saved and say yes. So you know God would want to be there in, 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 a, in a specific way. We know God generally present in, 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 his, in his world, but there are times when he wants to be present. And the next, we, we, we want to... I'm learning a lot from the Apostle Paul. Um, the Apostle Paul demonstrated the kingdom of, of heaven so consistently well wherever he went. Healing the sick, casting out demonic forces that had malign influence on broken lives, demonstrating how supernatural words of knowledge and discernment could be used in the marketplace as well as the worship place. And for Paul, that death had no fear over him because of his total conviction that he had a promise of eternal life. And that is important in this day. And above all, Paul shared the gospel message that Jesus was sent, Son of God, to bring forgiveness of sins and eternal life through his death on the cross, resurrection and ascension back into heaven. They're the wheels on which the kingdom runs. You see, he really did truly model how the disciples of Jesus can do likewise. Um, in Acts 28, 16, um, I'm going to look up here because um, that's the translation I read. Learning from the Apostle Paul, yep. Um, can, we, can we get verse 20, um, 28, 16 on or not? Two seconds. This is the end of Paul's earthly life. Okay, I'll, I, shall, um, I shall quote it from this translation. Right, so if Acts 28, verse 16. So he's now coming to Rome. He's, be, he's been towards the end of his life. And it says it's when we came to Rome, this is Luke um, who, who wrote it about Paul, his companion. When he came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself while the soldier that guarded him. So this is towards the end of his earthly life. He knows, because he was going to have to give testimony to Jesus in the front of the emperor. And then he goes on to, to conclude at the, at the end of chapter um, 28, uh, verse 30 to 31. He, Paul lived two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, and without hindrance. I want to draw your attention to that phrase, without boldness, because Paul often prayed to pe for people to pray for him, to give him boldness, because Paul needed that supernatural boldness of the Holy Spirit. It's strange, isn't it, that, that it was left hanging in the air, Acts, 20, um, Acts 27. Acts 20, 28, sorry. No, 27, beg your pardon. It seems if it wasn't, it wasn't concluded. And some of you know what I'm going to say. No, it wasn't concluded. It continues. There's a church planting movement, and I, I really like the title of it, called Acts 28. Isn't that lovely? Because it continues. And you and I are the continuation of Acts 28, Acts 29, Acts 30, whatever, because we have been given the baton to carry on extending the kingdom. It didn't conclude then, but we are the continuation 
when, of when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. It's like the TV series. You know, I'm sure we're all watching more TV than we should at the moment with Netflix and what have you. But you, you get to the end of it, um, the end of the, 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 the series, and you find there's another whole series you've got to wait for, which some of us are waiting for this next series of the police, getting it sorted. Right, I'm 26, whatever it is, of March. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because we are the next series, church. You are the next series of the Acts of the Apostles. It's been given to you. Talk about lockdown. He, Paul was locked down for two whole years, and Paul concluded his life welcoming all those who came to him. He was in, we find in scriptures that the gospel ran riot through Caesar's palace because of his lock. Even if he was constrained, the gospel wasn't constrained. So no, no matter, if you have been constrained or if you're listening today and you, uh, you can't go out, people can get to you. I want to get the gospel to Amazon, man. I'm working out a plan to get the gospel to my Amazon, man, and the post office, man. I tell you, what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the gospel to them. But I'm going to pray about it. I'm praying about it. Just imagine for a moment, you're one of the, um, how are we doing for time? You're one of the soldiers who are um, on duty to look after Paul. One of them comes back in the guardroom and the others will say, what was he doing today? Well, you wouldn't believe what he was doing. Some of his friends who brought him meals, they're talking about people being healed and dead being raised. Then another one said, well, you, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I got, in being chained to him, I had to spend the whole night with him while he was praying. He was praying for us that the God of this world was, uh, have the, um, would uh, not be able to blind our eyes to the, the, the mystery of the gospel. It was, it was so, so annoying. But he kept praying for me. He prayed for me by name. That was Paul. He took every opportunity to share the gospel. And as a result, people in the palace guard heard the gospel. People in Caesar's royal household heard the gospel. Don't let your constraint cause you to think that you can't share the gospel with those around you. See, Paul didn't see it as a restriction, but as an opportunity. He quite simply was a man of prayer. Now, this is a key I want to get to. to forget everything else today, but you've got to remember prayer, okay? He was simply a man of prayer who understood that the kingdom springing up into situations was intrinsically linked to prayer. Jesus himself said, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done. And if we want to see breakthrough, it's going to have to be through prayer. Okay, I'm glad it is, because it keeps it relational. One of the things about my wife, that I love many things, but one of the things I really love and I'm challenged by, when I'm out with her, we're talking to people, she says this, oh, I'll pray about that for you. I'll pray about that. I'll pray about it. So come and share a little bit what you're discovering. But I, I think it's really great because you provoke me, and I need that provocation to do this, because I would take out the easier route at times. Yeah, well... Graham has asked me to share a bit here. And uh, as he said, we can always pray for people. There's always opportunity to pray for people or with people. And sometimes I confess I've got it slightly wrong. I remember saying to a lady, 
would you like me to pray with you? She had a really bad back and um, it was evident I was working. I didn't know her very well. And she said, oh, yes, I'd really like that. Thank you. And I said, oh, well, um, and she got up, left her desk and went to go. And I said, oh, I, I was going to pray for you. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I didn't mean pray now. <laughs> I said, oh, I'll pray for you when I get home then. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do have to be sensitive to the people that we're with. And um, as Graham mentioned, Wendy Mann and her excellent book, Naturally Supernatural, we've been running a course called Naturally Supernatural, and it, it brings it into the orbit that every Christian can be naturally supernatural. It's not limited to uh, you know, people who are extrovert or people who are specially holy or anything. It's all of us. And that we can all demonstrate the kingdom of God wherever we go. So Graham asked me to share why should we demonstrate the kingdom of God, which is a good question. Well, we've been learning about discipleship and being like Jesus these last few weeks. And Jesus gave the disciples a commission. This is what he said, Matthew 10, verse 7. As you go, so wherever you go, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And I remember hearing a preacher say um, that a young person had come to him and said, I don't know what God wants me to do in life, I am stuck. And the preacher replied, he said, well, I know exactly what God wants you to do. He said he wants you to tell people the kingdom of God is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received freely give. He said, whether you are a carpenter, a mechanic, a nurse, a housewife, employed, unemployed, that's your commission. God wants you to do that wherever you go. So we want to demonstrate the kingdom of God with signs following it because that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to do. So firstly, that is obedience. And as Graham was saying, prayer is all important in that because we need to come to the Holy Spirit every day and say, um, what do you want me to do today? And can I be available to you where you take me? And if you don't pray, then you probably won't get those nudges from him. Secondly, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom because he had compassion on people. We've heard that several times this morning. And, you know, the Psalms say that he has compassion on all that he has made. That's everybody. And that is um, so important that um, we care about other people, and, and if we don't care about them, we are going to have difficulty expressing love for them. We're going to have difficulty sharing the kingdom if we don't really care about people. And we need to pray for God to keep softening our hearts. And I've felt challenged once or twice in the last year uh, where perhaps I haven't felt compassion for people that I might have done. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working on softening my heart for, for everybody and, you know, compassion isn't a sort of a, a there, there, pat on the back, sickly, sentimental thing. Jesus' compassion forced him to take action, that he healed the sick, that he, he spoke to them in their situation. He took action. And you might say, oh, I don't know how to take action. How can I do that? Well, I found out during lockdown, it's quite interesting that we go out on bike rides quite a lot, but whether we're cycling or walking, I always say, oh, hi, to nearly everybody we go by. 
And 99% of people respond. And, you know, that's just a little tiny way to start being outward thinking. So that you get used to talking to people who, who don't know you. We're cycling by and going, hi, morning, hello, how are you? And, and people love it nearly always. So you get the odd one who's, who doesn't respond, but you don't let that worry you. And that, I'm just suggesting that as a good starting point because a lot of Christians are crippled by fear. And there's no need to be crippled by fear. You've got a God of power and love and sound mind within you. And of course, praying um, and asking the Holy Spirit to give us opportunities more than just to say hi is a key thing. And you never know what a day will bring. For example, um, I know somebody from this church who was walking through Victoria Park and they saw uh, an older lady with two bags of heavy shopping and she felt this like, oh, I must be hard for her. So she went to the, up to the lady and said, I'm walking the same way as you across the park. Your bags look heavy. Can I carry one for you? And the lady was very grateful and said, yes, please, that would be great. So they had 10 minutes walking together across the park. And it was like mostly, you know, like, oh, the weather's a bit better today, that sort of thing. But gradually, the lady started opening up on things. And the Christian got to pray with her before they left the park. And that all came from showing an act of kindness. I remember once, um, you know, you, I think you can watch out for people who might be visibly distressed. Is there something you can do to help them in their distress? I, I saw a young lady sitting by W.H. Smith's one day with bags around her, and, and she was crying. And um, I just went over and I just said, um, you know, I can see you're upset. Is there anything I can do? And she said um, she was temporarily homeless, she was going to see somebody at the council that day. And I just said, look, I, I don't know what else I can do to help, but I'm a Christian. Can I pray with you? And she said, oh, yes, please. You know, and you, your heart's going, you know, dare I do this. But when you reach out to people, usually they're only too grateful if you offer to pray with them. And I just prayed something very simple, a couple of lines that, that God would answer her, you know, her prayer and her need. And I never saw her again outside W.H. Smith's, and I, I have to believe God answered that prayer. But, you know, we're not responsible either for, to see the end from the beginning. We're responsible to carry out what God asks us to do each day. And uh, one of our naturally supernatural group that we've been, been uh, sharing with, she's been showing love and kindness to one of her neighbours for years and speaking into her life. And just last week, she had the joy of leading her neighbor to Christ on the doorstep. So God is not restricted, even when we are. God is still a God of power and compassion. What he could do then, he can do now. And, you know, we've got the daily opportunity of not knowing who is going to bring across our paths, whether it's somebody in the supermarket, as Graham said, you know, whether it's a tradesman. I heard Graham um, Barney mention a tradesman today that we know. We prayed with him in our kitchen once. And God uses us together as family as well to, to meet people and to help them. And I just want to finish by saying, if you don't know him yet and you're listening in today, you can ask him yourself. You can pray. Because if you start to pray, God will answer you. He will hear you. Thank you. Go sit down. When I was in church leadership, um, 
you do feel the pressure um, in your prayer life um, because there's so many things in church you, you feel you've got to pray for. And now I've been relieved from that privilege. I'm finding I'm, I'm wanting to pray. I still want to pray, but I'm praying more and more for my non-Christian friends. And what, you know, I'll just be honest what's happening. I, I'm, there's 10 non-Christian friends that I pray for by name now every day. I keep soaking these precious people's lives in prayer, specifically. And um, it doesn't get religious, it's just because I want them to know the one I know. Even last week, I was praying for one of my friends, and I felt the Holy Spirit really did prod me. He said, do you know what his name means? And I said, no, Lord, I'm going to Google it now. So hang on a minute. So I Googled it, and it came back on, on Google. Um, it means a gift of God. I thought, what? I didn't know that. It's, an unusual, it's not an English name. I thought, that's amazing. And I'm going to, I feel empowered and ready, because I think that's a key when I speak to my friend next time. Did you know that your name means a gift of God? It's absolutely amazing. And we're seeing transformation take place in people's attitudes just by regularly soaking in prayer. In AD 354, in North Africa, um, there was a baby, a baby girl was born called, called Monica, and who would become the mother of one of the most famous Christians in church history. She shared with her young son, Augustine, from a very early age about God and how he could be saved. Now, he was a gifted guy. Um, he went on to study uh, rhetoric in, in, in Rome. Um, but he wanted to study a lot of other things. He lived such a licentious life. He enjoyed, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed stealing for the sake of it. And his mother prayed for him every day that God would touch his life with the gospel. And it was a very godless life, sustained ungodliness, that he lived. And one day, broken-hearted, she goes to the bishop and she says, would you pray, bishop, for my son? And the bishop answered her likewise. He said, no. Now go away and leave me. It is impossible that the son of these tears should perish. He got that. Because he saw that Mon his, uh, Monica was so passionate about her son being saved. Day and night she prayed for him. She followed him across Europe so that she was near him. No wonder he tried to get away from her. But and one day when he was reading the scriptures, he turned to um, a part of Romans um, and he was convicted of his sin, of his immorality, and he gave his life to God. And he was one of the greatest Christians. He did so many things. You will actually, your life most probably has been impacted by Augustine because of his understanding of grace that was passed on to many other people. It's amazing. Just because of one woman, maybe I'm speaking to somebody here, one woman was contending for her son and day in, day out, day in, day out, until he bowed the knee and encountered the Lord Jesus. So I'm challenging you. What's your prayer life like when praying for non-Christians? Because you have the pace. WD-40, has anybody got WD-40 in their garage? You keep soaking a rusty lot and keep soaking it and keep, keep praying. Jesus said, men should pray and not give up. I don't think women give up like men do, but 
You should always keep praying. We want to, it's through prayer. It's through prayer. There's no shortcuts, but we pray for God's kingdom to come. Just in closing. On March the 7th, 203, in Carthage, there was a, a rich noblewoman and a servant girl were brought into the arena to be fed to the wild beasts. Perpetua was her name, a noble woman. And she had recently given birth to a baby. This is an unusual Mother's Day story. She had a, um, a slave servant called um, Priscilla. I think that's right. And she was pregnant. And she believed in Jesus too. Because the Jews are very, sorry, because the Romans are, are very gracious and kind, they said a pregnant woman can't be fed to the beasts and executed. They have to give birth to their child first. These two were told, if you burn incense to Caesar, you'll be free to go. But she said no. They said no, we're Christians. The night before, the day before Perpetua was executed, she was given a, a vision from Jesus of heaven, a stairway, stair, stairs up to heaven. And um, this has affected me deeply. I'll tell you why in a minute. They went into, they were led into the arena, and um, Perpetua's father held out the baby, saying, burn the incense, Perpetua. Think of your daughter, think of your son. Burn the incense. And she said, no, I'm a Christian. That was a reply. They kept asking her, the family kept begging her, please, burn the incense. And the response was, no, I'm a Christian. She wasn't keen to be a martyr, but she was obedient to Jesus because she was not going to bow the knee to Rome. She bowed the knee only to Jesus Christ. Well, what courage. This week, um, Sue baked one of her cakes. She's got such an anointed cake-making ministry. You eat it and you nearly get saved. And she said, I feel to go to one of our allotment neighbours. Actually, not far from here. Actually, very close. And I've been asking the Lord Jesus, or Holy Spirit, um, is there a book I can, little, any good booklets I can give to people to help them? And I found this on the internet, and it's called Jesus and Life's Four Great Questions. Who am I? Where am I? Why am I here? Why is there suffering in the world? What happens when I die? Now, I guess most of you would not be brilliantly articulate like me at this. But I thought, well, if I can buy a little booklet for 50p and give it to people at a time when they... I've got time to explain the gospel to them. That's got to be a good, good thing, isn't it? So I bought four of these um, as a tester. And when we, so when we went round to our, our friend with Sue's cake, I thought, I'm going to put one of these in an envelope and give it to him as well, because he knows we're Christians. He's a great guy. And I put it in a plain envelope. And as I'm walking across from the church centre, I, I was going to put it in a, under... under the plate. 
And I just felt so convicted. So I thought, okay, I've, I've got to be a witness for Jesus here because of Perpetua, right? I'm very simple in certain ways, yeah? And I said to the person name, this is from Sue and this is from me. You know I'm a Christian and this is about Jesus. And he said, thank you so much. And I thought, why was I so scared just to say that, that this is a book about, booklet about Jesus? I just want you to, you to know we're not superheroes. We get fearful as well. But it's having courage and boldness to break through and say, this is about Jesus. I'm a Christian. Now, I'm not saying we should all do this, but you can, you, you can order from, from the church office if you like, why not? But, dear friends, the time is right. The winter is past. Okay? Any of you gardeners will know that in the winter, you, the winter, the ice, it breaks up the soil. Ready? It becomes friable for the seed. We're planting now. We're, we're planting seeds. Okay? Parsnips go in next week. Sweet corn go in a few weeks' time. Because it's a time for planting seeds now, first the natural, then the spiritual. And this little baby here, it's no good planting seeds unless you water them daily, particularly lettuces. They'll just wilt. It's no good planting seeds if you're not going to water. I can do all the planting I can do in, in talking about Jesus or acts of kindness and acts of brilliant cakes being given but if I'm not watering it in prayer daily, it's going to struggle. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. And I'm provoking you all. Could you be not only a planter of seeds, but waterers of the seeds you plant in prayer? I'm praying for Ten people by name every day for the last four months now. Things are changing. And if you want to join Jesus in this and follow his call, can you stand now? If you really want to do this and, and go out on a limb, because I made myself vulnerable, so I, I don't find it easy, but I am determined to move it in his boldness and his equipping power to see the kingdom come. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you. So come alongside me, will you? Ashley, would you pray? Would you pray? Father, I just thank you that you loved us first, Lord. And I thank you that we love because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord, that you equip us, Lord, uh, with all that we need to share your kingdom. And Father, I pray for each one who has stood here or who has stood at home, Lord, and is standing as a declaration that they are determined to be uh, planters and waterers. And Father, we pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit today and enable us to um, have a fresh impartation from your Spirit to be those that demonstrate your kingdom wherever we go. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. This is fun. Heaven's fun. <laughs> <laughs>